Geekscapist, I find myself sitting for this episode in a New York diner, and I'm surrounded by three of my oldest friends. Not in age, but just it's been a long time. Uh, I'm back in uh, Manhattan, uh, as I told you on the last episode. And if this is your first Geekscape, well, this is a little bit of a weird one, because we're doing a little bit of a round table. Um, but we talk movies, video games, comics. I'm Jonathan London, and I've been doing this for a while. And I, don't, I think everybody here has been on a Geekscape, correct? Yeah, I think everybody, all of you have been. You've never been on a Geekscape, Nicole? That, that is Nicole Walker, who I went to grad school with, Jim Pellegrinelli, who I went to uh, grad school with, and Scott Klopfenstein, who uh, we just we just make stuff. <laughs> you make music, and uh, we met when you, when I did the Real Big Fish video, and since then we've just been. Uh, that was like a, that was like our love connection, and uh, so Geekscape is basically we're sitting in this New York diner, we're uh, discussing all the geek stuff, and I was like. Mm, no, no, no. The geeks gave us need to be a part of this for this episode because we just walked out of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. We're talking about Westworld. We're talking about uh, the villains that Scott can handle and his favorite villains because we started talking about Luke Cage, which came out this week. We started talking about all sorts of stuff. Um, and I said, why not throw up the mic? Because you guys are going to want to be part of this conversation. If you have not seen Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, we're probably going to spoil, spoil the hell out of it. Spoil it. Yes. <laughs> and you might be thinking to yourself, I don't care. That movie doesn't look that good. We're going to spoil this movie like it was a high rise trailer. Is that the name of the skyscraper? Skyscraper. Skyscraper, the Dwayne Johnson movie. Tom well, I think yes. I think I think skyscraper should be renamed uh, High Hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because it looks like Die Hard, it's but it's so in like die a futuristic. Hard. It's, it's it's Die Hard with a one-legged amputee in a very futuristic office or residential building. It's a residential building. It's not an office building. So what are I they? Think it's, I think it's mixed guys. use. It's mixed use. So there's probably some zoning issues that these guys are experiencing, yeah. and maybe those those terrorists are actually with like the Department of Buildings, like come to like enforce some code violations on these people. I think that movie's going to go from. I think it's more of like a bureaucratic yes. angle. I think yes. skyscraper going to shut down like this John Galt like money man who like built this thing, and nope, we can't have that. We got to we got to legislate him into oblivion. I, th- I think skyscraper may go from uh, mixed use to mixed reviews. <laughs> but um, but but the Rock has to. He, if if there, there's one thing he has to do in this movie, and we see him using his 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 uh, prosthetic his leg. prosthetic leg as like a climbing tool and like to prop open a door, he's got to beat somebody with it. I need the Rock to use his prosthetic leg to beat up a bad guy. Oh, that's 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 a given. I think there should be a bingo card that you get whenever you walk into the movie and like, okay, moments where he uses it as a climbing utensil, as a bludgeoning utensil, as a way to hold the door, mm-hmm. like as or, a pogo stick. Or or he could it, it, like he steps in like some flames and and you think, oh, he's going to be injured. No, it's his fake leg. Right. It's his fake leg. The fake the fake leg immunity. I think the one thing that John McClane didn't have in that first Die Hard. When he stepped in glass, was that uh, he didn't have a fake? <laughs> his leg was real yeah, when he yeah, stepped the, in the glass. Rock has an advantage there because because only one foot would be injured if if he did that. So, um, Fallen Kingdom. Um, this is a movie being of mixed reviews. That's getting a lot of mixed reviews. And uh, they call we we saw it on like you knew I was coming to town, so you were like, we got to see a movie together. We got to let the geekscapers know what we thought. And this is a movie that I really was not looking forward to seeing but I but I knew I was going to end up watching it cuz you can't not watch a Jurassic Park movie and a bunch of people who skip Jurassic World are like uh-huh yeah you can but um 
Uh, are those people who, who have uh, high opinions of Jurassic Park 3, I'm guessing, in particular? <laughs> I don't know. Alan. But uh, Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom, the thing that, that bummed me out from the, from the previews was I, I was not a Jurassic World fan. I was not a fan of the Jurassic World. I thought Jurassic World was too long. I think that it, it picked its beats in like really weird places where it was like we're gonna we're gonna kill this one woman for being on her phone in a violent <laughs> fashion. But Vincent, but, but, but Vincent D'Onofrio, who like is the orchestrator of all this horrible stuff, is gonna die off camera. So I thought some of the beats were off on, on Jurassic World. I did not find it a satisfying experience. That being said, a movie I anticipated as being more of the same in maybe worse. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Geeks gave us, get ready for it. I enjoyed it much more than Jurassic World. <laughs> Maybe because yeah. I had anticipated yeah. having to lower the IQ a little bit to go in. I knew I wanted to turn my brain off for a couple hours, and I did, and I was perfectly happy with what I got. Um, it's, like, it's like going to Taco Bell. You're, you're, you're going, and you know it's Taco Bell, and if you know it's Taco Bell, you're going to have a good time. Uh, we now know where he had his birthday this year. <laughs> Every year. <laughs> um, what did you guys think of the movie? Because I was sitting between Nicole and, and Scott, so you got the worst of it. Oh, it's um, exactly what I expected and enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, yeah, please, that'd be great. <laughs> we're also, cashing out. But I will say I also like uh, the first one. You like Jurassic World? I did. Yeah. Because I, I have... All I require from those movies is something big with teeth fighting something else big with teeth or I mean like and, and you'll get it eventually yeah eventually you know, it'll show up like the the, the the yeah that's all I really require if monster movies you just require monsters you don't need any narrative cohesive not at all not at all you don't need the cohesion in there your narrative movies and I will sit you know there's there's something resembling a theme in there somewhere if you want to take the trouble to parse it out but it's really not worth it um, yeah. so just just don't it looks cool you know there are moments where you go <laughs> yeah I, th- this movie starts out and you immediately know you find out that these uh, that the this private group is back on the island where the first Jurassic Park took place where Jurassic World took t- place and they're going through the wreckage of Jurassic World, and they're taking DNA samples like bone, so that for their own, you know, these are bad guys. They, they, you know, they're sneaking into this place and they're stealing bone samples, and you know they're going to get it, and they got it in grand fashion in that opening sequence. And I turn to Scott and I go, "This movie's kind of tight. <laughs> this movie's pretty badass so yeah, far." Like, but you got to think, yeah. right? Like, are those really bad guys? Or it's like, yeah, we're, we're just in the submersible. We're just going to saw this bone off and send it to the surface. I love, I love the little floaty balloon that like, like dispatches the bone to the surface for recovery because they they don't put it in the sub because then it's lost when the when the sub gets destroyed and it's it, then it's a plot inconvenience. So floaty balloon to recover the thing and then and then oh there's a helicopter and then uh, T Rex chases the guy who can't get on the helicopter and he just makes it and the T Rex grabs the ladder and yeah that was kind of fun like that that whole like. Is this guy going to suddenly die? But you know he's going to die. You, yeah. you, there's, no, there's no saving this poor man. I wouldn't say that the movie was super smart, but what it was was like nonstop sequences that I thought were fairly well designed. And like J.A. Boyana, I think I pronounced that right. I loved Impo- The Impossible. I loved uh, the Spanish movie he made, The Orphanage. Um, this movie is really enjoyable. It's not necessarily in like. But I really had fun watching it. Does that make me a bad person? No. Nicole, Nicole's like, no, that's not what makes you a bad person. 
You're not going to walk out. It, it's the cinematic time. equivalent of a hot pocket. It, it <laughs> has like the basic resemblance of the real thing, and it's fine if if that's what you want. Yeah. You know, it's 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 not Blade Runner 2049. It's not Hereditary. It's not. Baby well, I, la- I laughed through Hereditary, I know too. I you laughed through Hereditary, but I didn't. Uh, I laughed a few parts, but it was more like, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, um, Nicole, you were... Y- you, 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 no spoilers, no spoilers. Uh, you, you were... We'll spoil Jurassic... We'll spoil Jurassic World. Let's not spoil Hereditary. Uh, so, Nicole, um, you were quiet through most of the movie. I was trying to be. And I still can't believe you're saying that... I this is like not according to the commentary that I was hearing coming out of your mouth the entire time. <laughs> to the point I had to put my hand up and be like, shush, I'm trying to watch this. I mean, there's some really dumb stuff. Like outrunning a volcanic cloud, you're dead. You're dead. There's so many parts where you're dead. Yeah, there's probably so much toxic you know, gas in that cloud like, that you, yeah. These, no, get these bad, these, these bad uh, m- military forces where they're just to steal dinosaurs, they can sell them on the market for high-priced hunters. You know, they leave Chris Pratt for dead, tranquilized, and the magma starts rushing up to him, and he gets within centimeters of the magma. And there's parts where, like, the magma is like dripping Which on is a dinosaurs. Piece of physical comedy, by <laughs> <Chris> <laughs> Pratt. Yes, yeah, so that was that. Yeah. Everybody's good. Everybody's like where doing their job, and, around, trying, I, and, and I'm, like you know, I love Bryce Dallas Howard. I wish he was in more things, but um, you, I don't know. I mean, this, this, this. I mean, this was enjoyable as, as. as as uh, is it cookie cutter? It has everything you want in Jurassic World, in like a Jurassic Park, Jurassic World movie, except moderation. Guys with guns. Yeah, basically money people like come in to try and scoop them up and because oh that's valuable property just laying there. We we have to reclaim that and make use of it. We spent all of this money on our R and D. Of course we have to go in and take that back. So wait, 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 wait. Yeah. So maybe the movie okay. I thought this movie made more sense than the last one in that we're gonna sell these dinosaurs as weapons maybe there is theme. A message underneath this Thing, right? Oh, there was a like, lot of message. There's, there's like, there's, you make a mess, you gotta clean up that mess, or learn to recycle. Um, so, so things. You know what I mean? One man's trash is another man's treasure. Is, is this is this is the story of? Or as Jeff Goldblum's character says, nature will find a way. Nature has found, found a way to make sure those dinosaurs are taken. Care of. Life finds a way. Life yeah. Finds a way. By turning them into exactly. weapons for the moon. No, the volcano was going to take care of that, and we interfered again. Yeah. There are several. There are several times. There are several times when when these things are going to be reclaimed by nature. And there's even one part where it's like, where it's like, uh, we can't just let them die. It's Mother Nature. And I'm like, well, Mother Nature killed the motherfuckers the first time. <laughs> well, why don't you just let them die again? Yeah. I mean, as sad as it was to see that 
there's like a there's a oh, scene sad, that where sad, there's one and I was like if you're an eight year old watching this <laughs> that will haunt you through high school that image of the yeah. brontosaurus left on the island as the, as as the boat pulls away it's the first dinosaur you see in the first one and it's the I think it's the yeah first, uh, there were a lot like, of callbacks once they land movie. on the island that's the first dinosaur they run into is another brontosaurus and it's like the ooh wow here's this giant massive somewhat majestic thing and oh wow yes so you're not running for your life it's giant and huge and massive and unlike anything else you're going to see um, and it, it was I think the brontosaurus was the brontosaurus like the, probably the largest one in terms of like physical size and mass probably yeah uh, so yeah it's next to the the whale the whale the water the, the whale oh, thing yeah. the mosasaur yes that's what it's called a mosasaur yes. the, the giant crocodile looking one is I believe a mosasaur so um, there are a lot of callbacks in the movie like it feels like every time a dinosaur dispatches someone or another dinosaur it has to do the famous Jurassic Park T-Rex pose for style points and I just expected like points to be like kicking off the bottom of the screen like ding 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 <laughs> like, like an arcade because that sequence you see that happened five or six times in the movie where something gets dispatched and the dinosaur pauses for style and is like, I'm going to roar into the night. I'm going to roar into the sky and let you know that I'm the king of lizards. The raptors are doing it. I expected some of the people to do it at the end. <laughs> you know? like Chris, Chris Pratt, when he yeah. heard of that, that Uber raptor or whatever the name of it was. The, the, the Indoraptor. The Indoraptor. Yes, that's that's such an such an innovative name. We're just, we just stuck a little prefix onto Raptor, and that is our new mega dinosaur for this movie, the Indoraptor. It doesn't even have a camouflage reflex, people. It's it was, it was a bit of a letdown. It could have been worse. Special about this dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. It, you know what I mean. Like I didn't although, see it do anything that any of the other dinosaurs. It played possum actually. It did. It it played a really good possum. That was the one thing that it did that was pretty smart actually. That was like ooh. There's there's real intelligence there, and poor Ted Levine pays the price. <laughs> Ted Levine from uh, from Ted Levine plays like the heavy military guy. He's First a little older, him, just... and for those geekscapists who don't recognize him, I didn't recognize him. He played Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. Hard for me, and uh, and he was great in this because he didn't play it like typical military guy who's just in it for himself. He's in it for himself, but he plays it weird. He plays... I think he just was just doing he's like, him. Yeah, he was like messing he's around. Like, I'm not gonna do much. <laughs> yeah. Maybe so, the, and it worked. The, the bit where he's like collecting teeth from like every one of the dinosaurs to make like a necklace for himself. Yeah. Like, that was that was kind of a nice touch. I kind of like that. Yes. Really yes. <laughs> In every movie, television has to collect trophies. That actually says a lot to his... What are you, a size eight? His acting ability, because he decided... Like, he could have gone totally cliche with that. Right. have seen it a million times, mm-hmm. the, you know, and, like, he decided to not do a bit yeah, when when um, Chris Pratt like gets one in on like punches or gets one in on the the other bad guy while he's a witness to it, he like smirks. You don't really know whose side he's on, but his own, and like you're laughing. The Indoraptor is like, is it a human hybrid with a raptor? Like, they, they didn't really say it. It's a T Rex. Is a T Rex raptor hybrid? It's modeled after the last dinosaur from the last movie, which was why they went to the trouble of getting the bone in the opening sequence. But they grew that dinosaur really goddamn fast if that's how they did that. Well, we don't know what the passage of time is. We don't know what's going on in this movie. I know my passage of time, and it was like, you know what? I thought this movie would be a lot more boring than this. This movie is actually pretty badass. Yeah. 
absolutely. I, I will agree. It was. I had. A, I had a better time. A much better time than I thought I was gonna. Yeah, if I, I didn't see it with you guys, though, I'm not sure that would have been the case. <laughs> if I saw this, with, like I think. Zelda? I think this combination really lent itself to me enjoying the movie a lot. That, that's true. You see the right movie with the right people, and something will click. If it's if even if it's not a great movie, and this is not a great movie, but it's an okay movie. Yeah. Um, Nicole, do you think that it's getting unfairly bashed because of the franchise fatigue? When you look up and it's got like fifty five percent, and it's like, and like people are like, "Oh, another Jurassic Park movie." Is it a reaction to Jurassic World, or is it a is it franchise fatigue? Like, what are people responding to when this thing comes out to mixed reviews? Because I don't think it's as bad as the reviews say it is. Well, I can understand they were saying that there was a lot of... It was, it was very choppy in terms of story. Right. And so but it was, so you kept going back and forth between the little girl, Maisie, and then and her subplot, which you knew something was going to happen. And then you're like trying to save the dinosaurs, but then there's only 11 dinosaurs left or however many they evacuated from the island. So it was back and forth, and it wasn't just a clear cut, like in the first movie... You're waiting for the dinosaurs to run amok. You're waiting for them to take over and trash the place. And you're just basically looking for everybody to escape how many kills and, and imaginative ways you can get. This one was a little bit more clunky, I guess. It wasn't just as straightforward. So I can I, I understand why people wanted a more of a popcorn monster movie. And this wasn't quite that. And e- even when there's not a dinosaur on screen, I was there were shots and beats that were played like the original film. Like, like when... Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's character gets out of the car when she comes to the rich guy's uh, mansion at the beginning and she steps out and she sees the grandeur of his mansion and it's like they're looking at the brontosaurus for the first time and I'm like you know what let's save this for later in the movie <laughs> you're, you're gonna want this you're gonna want this holy shit beat later in this movie <laughs> you know you're watching a house <laughs> let's, let's not use that here The little girl Maisie's trying to pull down um, the elevator, the dumbwaiter's dumb yeah. door, and it calls back to the first movie. And then same thing with when there's the reboot sequence of the lighting. It's the same as with the electric fence. The gang's trying to get out and escape from Indo Raptor. Yes. And basically, like, so and there's and they're almost scot free, and then all of a sudden the lights come back up, and they're oops, they're caught. Yeah. So so and then so they were some a lot more action sequence callbacks to the first one, which they were which. You noticed, but again, they weren't special enough. And I felt like it was. Th- I felt like the callbacks were were less. Or they were there. They were threaded better in this movie and less blatant in the last than in the last one, when you were just waiting for them. Does it make sense? Like like here, I was like, oh, they did a little bit of a callback, and that that worked. Um, this, you know, uh, I think what I like most about this movie is unlike the way that Jurassic Three undid like the the can of worms is all open in, of Jurassic 2 of having the T-Rex running down San Francisco that nobody else rec- like nobody talks about it again that this movie at the end of this movie super spoilers like there is no undoing this they let the dinosaurs out into the world yeah now you're covering oh, we, 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 haven't, we haven't talked about Maisie yet okay, that yeah. much and we should talk about Maisie a bit because she's, she's the, the rich guy who is partners with Richard yeah, Dad's world so first off we, we have knockoff Hammond played by uh, James Cromwell and, and he's clearly meant to be Hammond but we obviously don't have I thought James Cromwell died no James Cromwell is, is no is, is he the actor from Babe died? died oh he did isn't oh that James Cromwell? Yeah. yeah, James Cromwell died. And I, I saw him in this movie, and I was like, "Holy shit!" 
bring, bring back Richard. Cromwell, yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, no, it was. Um, but he's he was meant to be Richard Attenborough. Like, but we don't have Richard Attenborough anymore. But he's like Richard Attenborough right down to like the cane with the amber. Nugget. You find out that the uh, guy, that Richard Attenborough's character, is his partner at the beginning, and they were going to start the part together, but they had a split, and the split was that this character's daughter had died, mm-hmm. and you know, and this is a, this is a huge game. spoiler, yes, spoiler, but but you find out later that his daughter had died, and he cloned her, he cloned a human, and, yes, little, and that's little, who this little girl is. Little little, little Maisie is a clone. We, instead of the obligatory Jurassic Park orphan of divorce, we now have the obligatory <laughs> Jurassic Park orphan clone. Yeah. That's a big change, I guess, from the... Uh, guys, guys, he's still alive. Okay, good. Good. Um, I'm glad James uh, Cromwell is still, still, still alive. Who, very good knowing wait, that. Who died? Richard Attenborough. No, Richard Attenborough is definitely dead. Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> Richard yeah. Attenborough. Oh, I know who who died? Up James Cromwell's alive. I'm really glad you're alive, James Cromwell. <laughs> James, wait, James Cromwell is in Babe, right? And, and Zeph from Cochran in uh, Star Trek: First Contact. Yeah. Okay. And, and many, many other things. Who died? Hold on. <laughs> okay, Scott. Scott's got it. Um, so, are we all giving Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom a, a thumbs up? Uh, a qualified one. Yeah, I, I, I will qualify it, like in the sense that, like. It's it's good. It's 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 fine. It's just it's a product. It's it's very much like the dinosaurs themselves. It's 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 an engineered product, and there's some obvious like glitchy, gappy things and some inconsistent logic and some outright stupidity. But if you want to ignore those things, you will have a perfectly pleasant time. I love the atmosphere of this podcast. So we're we're definitely in a New York diner. Like I'm hearing it in the headphones, and I'm like, oh yeah, they're cleaning plates, they're busting tables. We are in New York City. Geeks gave us. I brought you with me. Uh, Scott's not finding it, but would you give this would you give this movie a thumbs up? Oh, absolutely. But again, it's what we were saying when we were walking in. Like, I require very little from movies like this. I want to see something gigantic fighting something else gigantic. Like. I don't need a great deal of story. If, as long as it looks awesome and there's like crazy things fighting each other and explosions, I'm good. But unlike that first Pacific Rim, um, I felt like the first Pacific Rim, uh, that first Pacific Rim was was giant thing fighting giant thing. But I feel like the human stuff in between really bogged that movie down. Oh, like sure. like there's a lot of stretches. This movie does not have any human no, stretches no, in no. it. It is like dinosaur from, from the from the drop. This movie is so much running. And hiding, and that's I think what we signed up for. Yeah, Nicole, is this a thumbs up for you? Um, it's a thumbs up, and that I liked it better than the second installment of the original trilogy. Um, I'm not sure. This is okay. It's, it was a thumbs up. It was a thumbs up. I, the, I, the, the raptor did not die by gymnastics, but it, it died exactly almost. It, it died kind of similarly to stupid to stupidity. Yeah, there was some. There was a cool sequence. I thought the designs in this movie were better. And it was fun. It was fun to watch. Um, I mean, I, I was knocking the Indoraptor a bit. It's 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 not that interesting a monster to me, but it it, it looked it looked cool. Yeah. I, I liked the the patterning and the scaling and the and the eyes, and it definitely had some character to it. Um, I don't know. It it just didn't scare me that much. I know it scares you. Uh, Snakes. Oh, we're 
going to go back to that one again. Uh, Jim, when, remember? did you remember when we did that Coca-Cola commercial back in, in grad school and Jim produced it for me? But I had just moved to L.A. and so Jim came out to shoot it in L.A. with me and he stayed, uh, he, he was, he was staying in a brand new apartment that I just moved into. No furniture or anything. We're sleeping on the floor and we're literally on sleeping bags in this new apartment. And we're shooting like that weekend, and we're getting everything in order to go shoot. And uh, was it the night before? The it was shoot? the night or, or it was like a night or two before the shoot. In the middle of the night, we didn't have beds in the place, and we're laying on the floor. And in the middle of the night, I just hear this snakes. <laughs> I just hear Jim scream snakes, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" It wakes me up. I look over. He's like. I didn't have my my glass. I'm reaching for my glasses. I'm like, what the hell? I thought somebody had broken into this apartment. I'd never spent the night in before. And I get my glasses. I look up. I'm like, what's going on? And Jim's having this nightmare. He's like, snakes. <laughs> He's flailing around on the floor. And I'm like, Jim, Jim, it's a nightmare. Uh, it took and, me a minute. Yeah, I did not know where I was. I thought there was like a literal. There were literally snakes around me. And. And I woke up, and I'm like, oh, shit. And then I went back to sleep. And, like, I zipped up and was like, shit, man, that was close. And, and, now, <laughs> and now, because of this incident, I, I, it has been the source of endless gay panic humor <laughs> that Jonathan has mined low these ten years plus. <laughs> it's all right, Andy. Snake, yeah. He's like, yeah, the Indoraptor didn't scare me, but if it was a grass snake... <laughs> <laughs> well, I was in a sleeping bag on the ground in the dark. In my defense, <laughs> it was like camping. Wait, where'd you grow? Up? Where'd you grow up, Jim? I grew up in Jersey, so I, I did not it was do like camping. camping. No, no, I'm not a camping person. I'm in a living room in a in an apartment in in, in Los Angeles. It's like camping. Break out the s'mores. <laughs> Let's tell ghost stories. <laughs> I love that story. Snakes! I was like, holy shit. We're being robbed. <laughs> so what have you been up to, Scott, since we last saw you on Geek's Game? It's been a long time since you've been on Geek's I can't even remember the last time I was on the show. Yeah. Uh, well, you moved to New York, which doesn't help. No, it doesn't. <laughs> well, I mean, it helps for things in New York, but not for things other than that. Um, no, I've been doing a lot of, like, uh, I, theater, composing for, for off-off-Broadway here in theater uh, in uh, New York, which has been great. I connected with a young uh, playwright named Katya McMullen, and um, yeah, we started doing just all sorts of interesting work together, and uh, she's a fantastic playwright, and we did this show that we just wrapped a show uh, a month or so ago um, that we've been working on for three or four years, but we, yeah, it was our first full-on, like, off-off production with me composing credits and musical directed it, and it was awesome. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, Nicole, last time we hung out, we went to see Baby Driver a year ago. What have you been up to? Watching TV. Just watching TV. Like, like, well, like, like, well, well, we were talking about like, like uh, I think you, Scott, you had introduced the idea that de- that like ongoing television causes depression because we never see the end of these storylines or what? Right. So I read this article that was talking about that long-term serialized television causes depression. Like Seinfeld? No, I mean like (laughs) any of it. Like, uh, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't call uh, Seinfeld's not really serialized. It has callbacks. Yeah, yeah. but, but you're like, talking about like Game of Thrones. Uh, uh, type I'm thing? Like Game of Thrones. It has an ending. Jones. 
But no, like, because every episode is with a cliffhanger. You get no catharsis. You get no, like, you, there's no beginning, middle, and end. Like, I started watching Luke Cage. I'm three episodes in Luke Cage. Uh, Ian Kerner, back in L.A., is already done with it. So maybe I'll sit down with Ian Kerner and we'll do a season two wrap-up on Luke Cage. Um, it's it's slow going for me, but I thought see, I thought the third episode kicked it up. But but you're saying that like a show like that, where you have to wait another year for the rest of it, um, causes depression. What well, is what the yeah, article it's said? Like, it's more about like it's about the long term serialized, but it's also about binging. Oh, like, sitting and like getting your fix. Long, yeah, like just that don't have again a beginning a real beginning middle and end. they definitely they don't teach like, moderation no not at all right I mean I love long term and long form. scope yeah. storytelling I think it's it's an incredible thing to do if you can do it right I mean you know, season 3 is always difficult but um, uh, but yeah I mean if the ending of Lost depressed me uh, yeah <laughs> but I don't think that had anything to do with like the fact that it it, we didn't binge it. You just invested. I just didn't like the ending of Lost, but but I was talking to somebody Thursday or Wednesday night, Thursday night, who really enjoyed it. Uh, so if you know somebody who enjoyed own, the very last episode, yeah, I was, I was meeting with the DP, and he's like, I loved the ending of Lost, and I was like, okay, how about the ending of Dexter? And he's like, no, no, absolutely not. Um, but like. Yeah. If he watched, if he actually had all the seasons and binged through it and didn't have to wait in between seasons like like regular viewers, right? Did, then by the time he got to it, he, it probably all made more sense to him. Sure, it was still fresh. Uh, but if you were like, it didn't make sense to the writers. Yeah, we we were we watched it over. We, we watched it over. <laughs> the writers the, tried to like spend I feel like three seasons of that show disproving what people figured out on the third episode of that show. <laughs> they were like all there in purgatory. Yeah. No. 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 Wrong. The, the polar bear matters. <laughs> the, the shark didn't matter. Um, did, did, so. So does this, this does this article like propose a solution? Does it, does it say that making people wait ser- like weeks uh, or a week between each episode helps? Like, is the binging the problem, or is the ongoing serialized storytelling the problem? I think it's that if you're only Investing in. Oh, I feel like if you're only investing. I thought I had this guy. You do, but you you were talking into the ceiling. Oh, and I was like, there ain't no mic up there. Um, I think what, if I remember correctly, because I read this a year or so ago, um, is that if your only source of like storytelling or entertainment comes from serialized binging television, um, that yeah, can lead to you should watch things that are contained, have a definite beginning, middle, and an end, so that you have an emotional arc to it, and you can like have closure. So comics are bad. Are com- like are comics bad? Like, well, that, it didn't deal with comics. I don't know. I don't well, I'm kind of fucked up. Well, I mean, what do you think, Jim? Um, I think the same logic could definitely apply to comics because it's all about serialization and ongoing, and the story never ends. Oh, yeah. And the character actually in comics, I think it's worse because the characters don't age, and there's no permanence of death, and little little things that make the, the narrative a little easier to swallow are just kind of like, shh. and sometimes retcons work, and sometimes they're just awkwardly shoehorning in things that just don't belong. Um, so, so I think there, it's, I think comics may even be worse if we're talking about like from this from this perspective, like oh, yeah. because no closure and and. The rules are what we make make up on the fly, particularly since there's so much creative changeover in them versus a TV series. TV series, you generally have a lot more continuity of creators than you do in comics, with the exception of maybe of some of your creator-owned stuff. 
uh, Nicole, you are you worked in the soap world for a while, and like like wouldn't you say that these soap operas that have been in existence, they started some of them started as radio dramas, and then they became televised soap operas. They've been going on; those stories have been going on for fifty years. Well, yeah, not, 60 not, years, like, 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 down to four and like yeah, well, there's, there are not, there are not a lot of soap operas there's left. There are only four, there are only four TV soap operas left. Two on CBS, one on NBC, one on ABC, and they, yeah, like the, the, sip, the one I worked on, Guiding Light, was on for 70 years, so. Guiding they, Light, yeah, so 70 they had, years. They had a lot of, you know, yeah, it was serialized, but, um, uh, I, I'm trying to formulate my thoughts of this. So, for, so I guess number one, not just in terms of soap opera, but like talking about the serialized binge watching. I'm like, you have the choice to binge or not to binge. I mean, so you can watch an episode and say like, you know what, take a break in between. It's like the responsibility to me is not necessarily. I want that mic close. All right. The, the responsibility to me doesn't necessarily rest with the viewer to, to, to you know, or I'm sorry, rest with the uh, producer. So if Netflix wants to put out like the entire season of Luke Cage and you decide to binge watch that, that's on you. And if you get depressed afterwards, that's on you. That you don't necessarily feel like you know, like why did I watch all the, watch all that at one time? The other thing is, is that a lot of times what you're seeing is that you're having rolling conclusions, meaning like you'll set up some set up questions, multiple questions at the beginning of the season. You answer a few along the way, and you start more questions in the middle of the season that you may or may not answer at the end of the season. It's a rolling thing, but you do get some closure, not as much closure as you would like. And it usually springs board into another story. Same thing on soap operas. A lot of times you would have a long story that would last like, you know, two years for a character and it would last two years. So you so you're and it's two they were real time. Real time two years. Two hundred and fifty episodes per year. Yeah. So you're about five hundred episodes in and then finally the story that started has ended. And then you're moving on to another story. Now, because you know, most of the time soap operas are for people who are at home every day watching. Um, then that like filled their time during the day. In terms of binge watching, I'm like, I'm, I'm again, I'm like, it's these days seasons are what ten out, ten episodes, ten hours, yeah, ten to thirteen. Um, that's a day if you're binging at home or if you're binging overnight for episodes a night, something like that. So it's a lot, but I mean, like again, I'm I'm more of like. I'd be very interested to read that article, <laughs> just because I'm like I don't necessarily think it's Netflix or Hulu's. Do you still have it, Scott? Oh, no, can I, is it, it, I'm not saying it's anybody. Can, can I link it in the yeah. show? Do, do you, do you have do you, do you have the article? Do you have the article? I would have to look because I mean the thing is like the first off it explains why Ian Kerner is so fucked up because <laughs> because he binges everything. The other thing is the reason I'm I I binge some of these shows is so I can do an episode for the Geekscape. It's but really like Glow's coming out next. Friday and Glow was my favorite Netflix series last year, so I'm like, I gotta get done with my Luke Cage so I can watch my Glow. And then, and then after, what is it? There, wa- there wasn't a lot of fighting in the first season, but I thought it, I just thought it was awesome. Did you watch the first season? Oh, I thought it was awesome. Just the writing was incredible. But yeah, I know the second I finish Glow, there's gonna be something else that Netflix is gonna throw down the pike. You know what I mean? So um, we got Comic Con, the 39.19. Be there, holla. Um, <laughs> There's always something being fed to us, and we, we 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 never get off of the fix. Does that make sense? Yeah. So does it matter if it's one narrative or the ten that we subscribe to at any given time? Between all the media, is it just our is it just our saturation is the issue? I'm sure it doesn't help. Right. I mean, like, like our disconnect from the real world is this disconnection that we're talking about? Like no, you're so steeped in this stuff that you're disconnecting from your life. So the article, and again, like I read this. A year and a half ago, two years ago. Man, why didn't you been on Geekscape? Uh, 
<laughs> was was more about the fact of like the effects that you know storytelling has emotionally and psychologically and if you don't ever have like real wrap-ups or conclusions or endings like or beginnings and things is it has an effect you know what blew my mind i taught a transmedia class at college this last quarter and so at the end the students have to give a presentation not uh, uh, on a property that they are fans of and they have to talk about how that property the story within that property has has been adapted from movie to TV to comics to it's transmedia across all these different types of media and a student came in with Mission Impossible and the thing that I did not know about Mission Impossible was the films with Ethan Hunt Tom Cruise are continuations of the original show that started in 1968 with the Jim Phelps character so Jim Phelps was like the young character in the original Mission Impossible's TV series. Mission, they, uh, they tried to bring Mission Impossible back in the late in, in, from '89 to '92. There was a short run TV one where Jim Phelps was older, and then that's who John Boyd is playing at the beginning of the very first Mission Impossible movie when he burns the team and gets killed, and everyone was up in like an uproar about it because they killed this long-standing character from 1968 that had, that that had aged with yeah they, they made him a traitor they made him a villain he's the villain of the of the yeah. movie and this is the character that was your linchpin in the show so yeah anybody who had that continuity in their head of course they're going to be upset and be like a little what the fuck For like guy, 50 like, years this continuity has been going on I, I i thought that the movies were their own re- okay, revamp I'm stuck. I'm stuck. i didn't know i didn't know okay. that the, i didn't know that the, i didn't know that the tom cruise movies were continuations of the original 1968 show that is like the longest running story that's incredible because now we want to because the thing is now we want to re- reboot everything right we want to go make like a young Han Solo movie because we want to tell more Han Solo is not good why not well you know Star Wars you know Lucas Lucasfilm doesn't want me to (laughs) they they want to start pretending like that didn't happen Um, just have the incels remake it Uh, (laughs) so uh, instead of rebooting everything why not just continue these stories you know what I mean like Doctor Who's been able to do it through radio and TV like for Almost pretty much as long as yeah, Mission Impossible. There's no? a central gimmick there where, whereby the Doctor is reincarnated, so the recasting matters a bit less there. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, now they're going to switch. We're going to have a female Doctor, so yay! Um, but also, it, it, like that gimmick lends itself. It makes it a little easier to, to latch onto a new a new cast choice right. in that central part. And other franchise properties don't really have that. You're going to have the discontinuity of putting a new actor in, in a role that you've seen somebody else play for years and years and years. And, Mar- and Marvel's going to yeah, face Marvel that is going to have to. I don't know what they're going to do. It's a, at a certain point if they're just going to keep renegotiating and paying people, however many tens of millions of dollars to, like Robert Downey Jr. is, is probably they're going to give him like fifty million to be Iron Man again. Are, are they going to do that? Maybe, or they, what are they going to do if they don't do that? Are they going to recast him? And if they're going to recast him, who is that going to be? And what is the reaction going to be to that recasting? It's it's really volatile for them to try to do that. Are there actors that you think could replace Robert Downey Jr. in that role? I remember the original casting for that character. There were characters like Sam Rockwell, Clive Owen considered for that role. I remember they were brought up, and then but ultimately they went with Robert Downey Jr., who's been perfect. As Tony Stark, but um, uh, not always, of course. I mean, there's a guy who didn't have anything. Re- I mean, his career really stalled out, but he was. It w- yeah, when they cast him, it was like a oh, of course. 
What a smart move. Um, so we were talking about, speaking of reincarnation and reinterpretation, we were talking about Westworld and Geekscape. We're going to get into Westworld now because we're, as of the recording of this, we have, I think, one episode left in this season. Go for it. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. We have one. Uh, we have one episode left in this season, right? Yeah. Yep. And the Sunday is the finale. We're recording this on Saturday, so sorry, Geekscape, as if I couldn't find Wi-Fi to get this up to you in timely fashion, uh, and if it's been time slid for a day or two. So, um, I think the last few episodes have have helped the cohesion of what started out as a very ju- like like scatological season, which had a design to it, I just was too dumb to follow the design. <laughs> Does that make sense? It jumped around a lot in the first few episodes. And then and then as soon as we went to like Shogun World, I was like, okay, things are really starting to fall into place, and I'm seeing the design here. Whereas the first few episodes, I couldn't keep track of all the time jumping. There were three different, story- there were three yeah. different timelines we were, ta- we were going through, and I couldn't keep it in my head. Again, I'm dumb. Yeah. Two for Dolores, right? Two for Dolores, or two for Bernard, for sure. And then... Well, and then there was also... Are you looking at Arnold, or are you looking at Bernard? In some cases, especially in the first season, you don't know which is which. And then it ultimately becomes clear what you thought was Bernard is actually Arnold. Yeah, and you also had two for William. Oh, that's right. Right. So you were really dealing with, like, six different, like... Some of them them were taking place at the same time, but... You had a lot of plates spinning in that yeah. first half of the season, and then I felt like I felt like Ghost Nation was like the best episode because then it was it was focused on just one very simple aspect of the world, such a and it put it all together. Uh, the Shogun World stuff was also in that same simple fight, and then up until I think the the last episode and the episode before, you start to get characters being like, "We need to do this thing for this thing," and I was like, "Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you for the expositional dialogue, so that I know that you have to go from A to B to C because I was losing it. You, I mean, you could like look over and see me watching Westworld, and like there's blood coming out of my nose. I was so stupid." I mean, is this a detriment to the season or not? Because I think they were getting criticism for it early, and I think they've pulled up out of the out of, uh, they've pulled up out of it into something that I think is actually a pretty great season of television. I, th- I think it's working. I- I'm I'm along for the ride. I know that I will probably be wrong footed at some point in the finale and discover learn something that. I will want to go back and revisit episodes and and try and look through them with the lens of that knowledge that I didn't possess. Um, very similar to the to the end of season one. In particular, the the, the Bernard Arnold reveal was a huge thing, and doesn't look like anything to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there, I, ultimately, I'm I'm ready for surprises, and I I'm, I'm kind of, I'll roll with it. I I, there, I haven't ever really wanted to cry foul and like say, oh, you've pushed this too far, or or this just doesn't line up. So far, it has, and I think I think these are pretty well schooled, confident showrunners who will make sure it does so far. Do I think William's a host? Um, Geeks gave us. If you have not watched, this is. Yeah. yeah, guys, that was a, that episode was pretty intense. Not just for that scene, but the scene that came after it with Teddy. I'm sitting there watching this. And I'm like, how much more are you gonna do? <laughs> I don't like how you're. I don't. Yeah, Teddy put his foot down, which is great. I, I love how they're making Teddy a hero again because they've turned Dolores into the villain, and you never saw that coming. I, well, 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 as you're as you're watching the show, you're always wondering who's gonna take the Yul Brenner role, right? From like the classic Michael Crichton Westworld from the 70s and you're like who's going to be the Yule Brenner 
like murderous robot and for a long and I mean it, what's crazy is when they cast Ed Harris as that and then had him play the man in black for the first season you're thinking oh host or not host he's the angel of death in this right. and then they started shifting the angel of death and now you realize the angel of death was the one that you that started out as the most pure and I'm like holy shit Teddy putting his foot down in this last episode had me I think the kids say shook <laughs> uh, the one thing I didn't like was uh, Nicole's eyeballs because they roll every time I talk. <laughs> and that's been the same since grad school. <laughs> They're rolling in like, okay. Um, a meeting I had last week, we were discussing Westworld, and uh, this person I was meeting with loves it. He says, you know what I'm starting to realize with Westworld? And I don't think it's a this or that. Because the other person is clearly talented as well, but he goes, I started realizing that Jonathan Nolan might be the more talented Nolan brother <laughs> than Christopher Nolan. I was like, damn. I mean, Christopher Nolan's done some stuff. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe, maybe. I, I, I don't but see, I, I haven't identified Jonathan Nolan's particular fetish, and we don't, we don't, we don't, he doesn't seem to have a wife killing fetish like his brother does. <laughs> Every movie, he wait, kills wait. his wife. Every okay, movie. the prestige. Uh, the one where they're the Leonardo DiCaprio movie, uh, Inception, Inception, yeah. and then yeah. Interstellar. The, the woman is either dead or he has to kill her. You're right. The woman is always dead in the Christopher Nolan movies. Yes, uh, Dark Knight, uh, Dark Knight, and uh, oh, Dark Knight Rises. Talia. Yeah, you could count Talia. And then, um, and then he just kept women out entirely when he did the movie about Dunkirk. <laughs> He's like, yeah, no, we're good. There, there were some nurses. I, I put the nurses. He's like, yeah, but they probably drowned. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the other the other HBO show that I really that surprised me, I thought was amazing, was Barry. Did you guys yes. watch Barry? Because Barry. Barry, Barry was a. I love Bill Hader, and I don't Barry know why is I haven't a, done this yet. Oh, dude, if you love Bill, Bill Hader, love, love it. I love Bill Hader, man, and I just didn't jump on this train when it left the station and I, I have HBO Go and it's kind of lurking in the background there with, along with a million other things and maybe sooner or later I'll do it um, did you like the first few seasons of Dexter up through, up through season 4 they had me yeah, I, I, I worry that, that Barry may go Dexter-ish yeah. because of the way he's living a double life and there is violence and stuff but I love it song. Yeah, no. I, I love I thought Barry's incredible and the funny thing about it is like um. Oh, what's his name? The showrunner of Barry is the same showrunner as Silicon Valley. I mean, he's Mike co- Judge? no oh, Mike Judge is running it with this guy Alec. Um. Oh my God, he's on. I just listened to an interview with him, and he's running the shows at the same time, co- oh, wow. co-running the shows. Like he yeah. runs it with he runs Silicon Valley with Mike Judge, and the other one with uh, with um, the star. Uh, help me out. Uh, um, the star of Barry, Bill Hader. Bill Hader, and so he's getting help in show running the shows. But listening to him talk about how he does Silicon Valley up to lunch, and then he walks across the Sony lot to the offices for Barry and works on Barry, I'm thinking, dude, I have trouble writing a script and writing emails in the same day. <laughs> like, like, I, I, like much less keeping all the voices from two disparate tones. Uh, I'm sure there are multiple assistants who are who are helping him navigate some of those. Little more life things than than you might might bog you down a little bit. So so his life may get streamlined in some manner. That's um, what I need. I need that to come to my McDonald's when I write and be like, Hey, listen, till noon we're going to be writing this script. 
afternoon, I'm just going to be writing emails and some stupid tweets. Can we keep the, the tone consistent on those, please? Because uh, some days I get out of there at like 9 o'clock at night and I feel like, again, like my nose is bleeding out of my, my brain because like, my brain's bleeding out of my nose because I'm just like, too many voices. Okay, the, the writing versus... I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. And, 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 and Nicole, you follow me on Twitter, so I thought you saw this tweet. But in, in, in uh, there's a great... Geekscape is one of your writers. There's a really good uh, Twitter account called Go Into the Story, and it's about screenwriting. And somebody had shared the advice to write in, like, an uncomfortable place, right? Because nothing... Comfort zones just make you lazy, and... If you write in a place that's uncomfortable, you are constantly kind of staying vigilant and your ideas are staying bouncy and vigilant and you're just there to get the fucking work done. And if I go to the Starbucks, I will take a nap. I will I will see my friends and I'll be like, hey, what are you working on? And I'll bullshit with them for 30 minutes and 30 minutes goes by. I'll get a coffee. It'll be so comfortable. I'll sit on a couch. I'll tap out some emails. If I go to the McDonald's, it's like fucking it's like the the dmz zone from world war one between the, the fucking trenches dude mcdonald's is, dude it's chaos you're, you're making yourself dude. sound like a character in a charlie kaufman movie right now <laughs> dude mcdonald's is psychotic here's the thing about mcdonald's like you got to be is in there, there a it's, there is a playland and that makes it, it worse a, a no the, the place a play, the, 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 the play place oh that place turns into fucking wrestlemania so what you do is you got to be into this mcdonald's by like nine ten o'clock because the breakfast rush is going to put you on your ass. Because you know these people are going to come in, and they're going to be eating that crap, and they're going to be making noise. But then it's going to cool off, and that's when you gun it. You gun it on your scripts. You you don't you don't even open your email. You don't even get online. You right, just I'm gun just, it on your scripts. I'm seeing you in the movie of your life right and, now. And here's what happens. At noon, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, that's a sweet spot because you know it. 2.33... That local high school is going to let out, and that shit's going to turn into a fucking gymnasium. These kids are psychopaths. They, they, they throw each other on the ground. There's always a homeless dude in there who smells and, like, comes by and screams. Uh, Mi- dude, McDonald's is, a, McDonald's is a psychotic place to write, but They're also a sponsor it, of the show, so eat McDonald's. it makes you fight to focus. Also, if you eat too much of that shit, you will die. So, so, so know that you're going to go in there and not eat anything. And you can refill your Diet Cokes and your iced teas. But don't eat their food, or you'll fucking you die. They have tasty, tasty Szechuan sauce. <laughs> Dude, I tried that Szechuan. Dude, I tried that Szechuan sauce because Derek Cranavelt from the Geekscape Games podcast wouldn't shut up about how much he loved that Rick and Morty. It's Rick and Morty. That Szechuan sauce, and he's like, "Oh my god, they're bringing it back! They're bringing it back!" And I was like, and then, and then you start hearing the stories about the. And then Zach Dad's doing it. He's talking about the Szechuan sauce and how there's people like camping out for the Szechuan sauce, so they're only going to do it for a day. So they start fighting each other in the parking lot for Szechuan sauce. Then finally, McDonald's makes the Szechuan sauce permanent, and I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. Dude, it tasted like Buddha nutted off in my mouth. Like, it's fucking disgusting, (laughs) dude. This shit, it was fucking disgusting. I could not get that out of my mouth fast enough. That was so gross. Dude, that Szechuan sauce tastes like crap. And I, nine it, seasons, it, Nine seasons! And, and, and anybody who's eating that stuff and enjoying it probably runs sandpaper on their tongue for, like, for a hobby. That stuff is disgusting. I didn't go there. 
Do I, did you try it? No, no, I couldn't do it. <laughs> did you try it, Jim? No, 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 no interest. I, I liked it as the metaphor. I you got what the metaphor is. You don't Buddha to nut off in your mouth? No, I do not, I do not need Buddha to nut off in my mouth. <laughs> no, thank you. We're at the 50-minute mark, so if you're listening that, this long into the conversation, surprise, motherfucker. I mean, the whole the whole joke is like, it's like the, like the theme of the, like... It's 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 really just about like the whole meaninglessness of existence and like oh this is this is what our deep meaning is. It's a freaking fast food promotional condiment for for a Disney movie that like people half remember. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not gonna forget it now. <laughs> it tastes terrible. It tastes terrible. Was good. I got two little girls. I love that movie. You know what? Our Disneynos podcast. President says about it. One of our one of our new podcasts is Disneynos, and it's about all about Disney. And that one of the most recent episodes was about the 20th anniversary Milan that's happened. Like, can you imagine? Damn, I know. It feels like it just came out. It feels like we were just making a music video for your album, Scott. <laughs> and here we are, and you're about to make music for Hero the Prophecy. I'm putting it out there. I'm putting it out there. I'm doing. There's, I'm putting it out there like the secret. I'm putting it. I'm talking it into existence. What do you think of that, Jim? Question. Yes. You work here in production in New York City. Production is evaporating faster than water in the Sahara. Um, are you ever going to move to LA? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I've, I'm, I'm, I've been a union member. I've been doing this work for ten plus years now. Um, I'm thinking about switching up a little bit. Maybe trying to dip my toes into accounting because it's a little more stable. I don't get random phone calls from actors at 11.30 at night saying, oh, I talked to this other actor. Uh, he's on a flight half an hour before mine. Can you get me on that flight too? 11.30 at a Friday night. I literally got that call. And and I, I said, let me see. So I call the producer. The producer says, oh, yeah, I'll approve that. Just And then I have to call the travel agent. I call the travel agent. I get the seat. I have to like get, I have to like, and I have to jump through all these hoops at like 11:30 at night to get an actor on a flight half an hour earlier because I guess he just want he wanted to be home half an hour earlier on Saturday because he was done and wrapped on the movie. Uh, Jim, move to LA. <laughs> Enough that is, of that. That is that is what working in production can be like. Um, you're at, you're at the whim, you're, you're you serve at the whim and the behest of people who don't really know you exist. Yes, <laughs> don't really know that I exist and. Just want what they want when they want it, and it, it can be very crushing. Um, it's somewhat fulfilling in the sense that, like the pr- the problems and the challenges are never the same thing twice, because you literally never do the same thing twice. Then the fucking do Ninja Warrior. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if Ninja Warrior. Like, I don't know. I'm I'm in an okay place. I mean, the salary is okay. The benefits are really good. Um, yeah, your union, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, and please, if the, if if you're if anybody is remotely political listening to this, please do not support a national right to work law. It will make me very sad. Why they don't have a right to work? the The right to work is a misnomer which is used to destroy organized labor around the country, and it has been shoved down our throats by the right wing for God knows how long. Uh, but this is not that kind of podcast. <laughs> it can be. You, you, su- you suddenly became I like... in from Amy Siskin's podcast. You just became so. Nader. Yes. <laughs> it's all about the, it's all well, about the workers. Well, you know, the, the, I, I've been watching horrible amounts of CNN lately, so these things are just kind of saturated in me right now. Um, but in my defense, I went to bed on November 8th 
2016 with, and I made a point of not watching news coverage. And then I woke up the next morning and I, and I thought I was having like a brain fart. Like I thought I was like delusional for like five minutes. When a I, Twilight Zone episode? Yes. I thought I was in a shitty Twilight Zone episode. And I, I started laughing like somebody like at the end of like like a shitty Twilight Zone episode like in, in the midst of like the apocalyptic you realize you live in a snow globe or some shit <laughs> yeah yes or, or I, I have all the books in the world and all the time to read them and my glasses broke yeah. that's, that's my personal favorite we are living in the worst Black Mirror episode <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay so can we have the killer robot bees I would take the killer robot bees over a lot of what's currently happening <laughs> so Geekscape is this is what it's like sitting with my friends and I at a diner in New York when you come back for a couple of days to hang out. You get to see a movie. You get to sit around at a New York diner as it gets louder over the course of the evening, and it gets more crowded. It's nice to be in New York with you guys. This is not that crowded. No, you listen to it through the headphones. <laughs> You're like, this isn't so bad. The audience is like, there's blood coming out of their ears. Um, yeah, you're probably picking up on a lot of things that I just kind of, I live here. I don't, I, like, these noises don't really affect me, it, it, anywhere, so. <laughs> it's nice to be back. One day Scott will move back to Southern California. That'll be soon. You want to, you want to move back? Uh, I would move back to Long Beach. Yeah, turn your head down. I would, I would move back to Long Beach. Yeah. 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 I miss, I miss, yeah. And Dan's got his brewery started up. He may be looking for a manager. yeah. 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 Go in there and work for him. That's what I want to do. His <laughs> work for Dan. I'm actually getting. I love Dan Regan. I'm actually getting back to work. I started doing some like I'm um, live streaming like because I can't get out. I life. have seen you live stream your music. Yeah, yeah. And I've missed every fucking live yeah, yeah, stream. Yeah, I'm gonna be doing. I'm. Are the catalog doing though? Another one. Uh, yeah, there's just one up right now because I'm, I'm, I'm slowly but surely I'm just like you know me like I don't do anything with any kind of forethought. Right. So I was like, oh, <laughs> Welcome I'm to Geekscape. Gonna, I'm going to do, I'm going to live stream. So I did, you know, I decided to do it, and then the next day I did it, and I was like, Oh, it's kind of choppy. And so then I got my 100 foot Ethernet cable to get to my office. So, Scott, where can people listen to your music if they want to go back and listen to you live, your recorded live stream of your of you performing solo, right? You didn't have anybody over yeah, to put, yeah, solo. In my office. Um, go to. Littlest my, Band? Uh, yeah, it's just Littlest Man. Littlest man, the band. Littlest man. The, 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 littlest, the littlest man. The littlest man. Yeah. On YouTube. On YouTube, yeah. So it's okay. just YouTube forward slash the littlest man. The littlest man. And Nicole, when are you moving to LA? <laughs> A conversation we've had every day since 2003. I love you, kid. I love you. I got to come to New York more often, I think, is the solution. I, I should go I to love California being here. more often. I haven't been in a couple of years, actually. You know we got snakes, right? I know you have snakes <laughs> and, and tarantulas and lots of other things. <laughs> I'm, aware, I'm very much aware of those things. Thank you. And I'm the most venomous of all. Uh, Geekscape is... That's dinner with us. That's what it's like having dinner with us here in New York. Uh, we... Um, we're, at an, we're all, almost an hour. Uh, but we love you. Um, Geekscape is... I've got another Geekscape episode coming this week. As of the recording of this, unless my guest, uh, take care, we just said bye to the waitress. Uh, unless unless my guest cancels, I'll have another Geekscape episode up for you guys later this week. Um, and then when I get back to L.A., maybe I'll sit down with Ian and we'll talk um, We'll talk about this Luke Cage Season 2. And then we've got Ant-Man and the Wasp coming. And then we've got Comic-Con. And it's like endless, dude. It's endless. And I'm trying to film some things. And it's like, stop this. Stop this insanity. What games are you playing? Uh, I am only playing Fortnite on my Switch and Pokemon Quest. And uh, and Marvel Strike Force on my phone. 
in Pokemon Go because you can friend people now. Oh, nice. You can do friend lists. And I kept worrying about running out of like items and Pokeballs and shit like that. And you can friend that stuff. You can gift that stuff to each other. And now there's too many of them. <laughs> now, now I have too much shit. And I'm like, mm. well, you, you can pick your friends' noses, but you can't. Never mind. I don't know. I have, I have a lot of shit coming in on Pokemon Go. And it's fun again for the next week. And you know what? I'm going to play it through Comic-Con. Because that'll be when everybody's playing it. It's true. And we'll be there at booth 3919. Matt Kelly's putting together the signing schedule. We've got some new shirts coming. We're thinking about putting together a cool little event that if you're there, you can be a part of. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a big summer, but I'm tired all the time. I'm like the late, I'm like the Incredible Hulk if it wasn't anger, but like fatigue. It's like the secret is I'm always tired. <laughs> I mean, like that's my secret. That's the best Hulk movie ever. You know, and like the Avengers, when yeah. like, like Captain America, he goes, my secret is I'm always angry. Isn't that what Bruce yeah, Banner says? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my secret is I'm always tired. And that's okay, because it makes me happy to make shit. <laughs> We're making shit again, like this podcast. Geeks gave us, you guys get to leave the tip. We'll be here. You can find Jim. Where can people find you? Um, I don't really have a presence to be found at, aside from Facebook. Jim Pogernelli on Facebook. You'll see him commenting on in the Geekscape Forever group. He's always in the Geekscape Forever group or the I Geekscape am. group leaving comments. Uh, you, so. you will find me there commenting, yes. Here, here and there, depending on, on how much I have my eyeballs glued to my phone, which I'm trying to reduce a little bit. Yeah, trying to reduce my Facebook consumption and, and more so my CNN consumption. Uh, you got to get back to that Fox News. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Nicole, you're uh, you'll find on Twitter. On Twitter, commenting on, on Jonathan's timeline. <laughs> but you, uh, but you, on Twitter, your your handle is uh, um, oh T N I Walker. Yes. Yeah, it's T N I Walker. Scott, you are. Uh, my Twitter is S A Kloppenstein. S A Klop. S A. S A. S A Kloppenstein. And then there's also the Littlest Man. Littlest Man Band. Band. Twitter, um, and then you can follow my In- YouTube channel. Instagram. Um, yeah, listen to Littlest Man Band Better Bookends on Spotify, Apple Music. Damn. Uh, you're like one of those. You're like one of those. Uh, SoundCloud rappers. Go out and actually, and actually go out and support the, uh, my, my, my guys in the Real Big Fish this year uh, on the, the Warp Tour this year. The final Warp Tour. And Real Big Fish is on there. They just passed through California and I missed them because I was here. My friends, I'm hopefully going to get a chance to see them when they're out here. Make another album. Uh, <laughs> uh, love you guys. We're Geekscape. We're at Geekscape Forever on Facebook and Geekscape, the, the page and group on Facebook. And of course, we're on Twitter and Instagram and all that. I'm Jonathan London. It's been fun sitting here and having dinner with you guys in New York. And we'll give you a more normal Geekscape next time around. All right? Maybe not spoil half the shit that you just watched over the last six months. <laughs> we told you. We, we gave you a warning. We gave you a warning. Look out for that telephone pole. Bye. Ha, ha, ha.